Welcome to the Seriously Funny Music Podcast, the show where we talk about funny music and explore why it can often go underappreciated. In each episode, we'll focus on one artist and one academic concept to illustrate this point. This episode is about Childish Gambino and ethical aestheticism. Childish Gambino is the rap alter ego of Donald Glover. Glover got his start in the entertainment business, writing and performing sketch comedy while studying dramatic writing at NYU. His first job out of college in 2006 was writing on the popular NBC sitcom 30 Rock, and a few years later he had his breakout acting role as Troy on Community. Throughout this period, he had been writing and recording rap music, releasing several mixtapes, but not until he got signed to Glass Note Records in 2011 did he start to get widespread attention as a rapper. Despite the fact that humor has always been an essential element of rap, early reviews of his music often seem to criticize him for being too funny, goofy, or silly. In a Pitchfork review of his first album, Camp, critic Ian Cohen rates it a 1.6 out of 10, stating, Glover isn't strictly a comedy rapper, but he flows like a comic actor. When he's trying to be playful, his voice hitches in a pubescent squeak, and when he goes in, he's still delivering one room-clearing punchline after another with the earnestness of the most confused rhyme-sayers guy ever. I wonder what exactly does it mean for one to flow like a comic actor? Does the fact that Glover is a comic actor make it impossible for Cohen to fairly assess this album? I would say so. And although this review doesn't use the word authentic specifically, it does seem to be hinting at the idea that Glover is merely playing a part and not truly inhabiting a persona. Check out the episode on authenticity and Tenacious D for an in-depth discussion on that topic. Here's a clip of the song Firefly from the first Childish Gambino album. I used to get more laughs when I got laughed at. Oh, you got a mixtape? That's fantastic. But everybody thought it was jokes, though. They have right. The joke is I got flow, so don't act like you ain't sitting there with your friends like it can't be. I know Donald Club, but he weak, man. He can't be. I'm still not down, but I up the ante. Me and hip hop. That black For comparison purposes, Camp has a Metacritic average of 69 out of 100. And looking through Cohen's other rap reviews, it's rare to find ones that dip below 5 out of 10, let alone under a 2. While Cohen does do a good job of pointing out some of the album's flaws, I think his exceptionally low rating is not without bias. Elsewhere in the same review, he writes, The album maintains some of the overweening humor of Donald Glover's sitcom Community, but Glover's exaggerated cartoonish flow and overblown pop rap production are enough to make Camp one of the most uniquely unlikable rap records of this year and most others. For some reason, Cohen takes umbrage with Glover's self-aggrandizing characterizations and in-your-face productions, both of which are extremely typical in rap music. This leads one to think that the reviewer is either oblivious to rap genre norms, although this does not seem to be likely, or he is holding Glover to a different standard because of his comedic background. Glover's direct association with stand-up comedy, as well as sitcom writing and acting, may be seen as a red flag to music reviewers afraid of endorsing what could be considered some kind of joke band or artist. Contrast this to comedy rapper Lil Dicky, who makes it abundantly clear that his songs should be taken as a joke, removing any possible room for misinterpretation. You ain't heard a Lil Day, your elder Jew biz major. Fuck you know about the world he raised in. I've been saving money since a motherfucker 13. I wear the same pair of jeans every day. See also the Lonely Island, who even refer to themselves by the self-invented portmanteau frappers for fake rappers. 
By clearly indicating their desire to not be taken seriously, they are safe from accusations that they are trying and failing to be real rappers. A Spin Magazine review of Childish Gambino's second album, Because the Internet, scores it at a 2 out of 10, another exceptionally low rating that seems to lack proper justification. The reviewer simply concludes, Maybe the entire album is a meme itself, a grand existential joke critiquing the all-conquering rise of internet culture by parodying its overwhelming randomness. Whatever it is, though, it's a bad rap record. The album, while not universally acclaimed, has a 64 out of 100 Metacritic score. Furthermore, looking through this critic's other rap reviews on Spin.com, he has never otherwise rated anything below a 5 out of 10. So what does this mean? In my opinion, he is unable to give an unbiased review of the record, and from his comments, it seems that the problem lies with its humor, using words like meme, parody, and joke to disparage it. As I mentioned earlier, it's truly ironic that critics fault Glover for the usage of humor in his lyrics, when this has always been an important element of rap culture. Hip-hop scholar Trisha Rose wrote that, Oppressed people use languages, dance, and music to mock those in power, express rage, and produce fantasies of subversion. The subversive humor of rap music is largely linguistic, similar to that of the blues. It also features the use of aggressive boasting and threats as relief humor. This is clear in early rap music like N.W.A., Fuck the Police, Ice-T, Shut Up, Be Happy, and Public Enemy, where band member slash hype man Flavor Flav plays the jester in much the same way that guitarist Angus Young does in ACDC. It's also important to appreciate that rap music originated as an outsider genre. Similar to the genesis of punk, early rap artists sought to stand out by inverting the values associated with mainstream popular music. So the fact that humor was seen as suspicious within much rock and pop music was all the more reason it appealed to early rappers. This tradition continues to the current day with artists like Kanye West, who mixes social commentary with deaf wordplay, even rap artists who are perceived as more serious for their tackling of important social issues, like Kendrick Lamar, make use of comedic techniques in their music. His song Humble from the album Damn is full of puns and wordplay, like Parmesan representing money, referential humor comparing sexual intercourse to the video game Tetris, and braggadocious statements about his wealth. The English professor David Kaplan aptly has noted how hip-hop artists are adept at exploiting polysemy, the existence of many possible meanings for a word or phrase in their music. Rap records also commonly feature humorous spoken word interludes between songs that are not dissimilar to comedy sketches. Glover, particularly in his early work, can be seen as a disciple of Kanye West. He even referred to himself as son of Kanye in at least one interview. Personally, I don't find Glover's early music to be any funnier, goofier, or sillier than some of the songs on College Dropout or Late Registration. This brings us to the other half of this episode's topic, ethical aestheticism. 
The philosopher Barris Gout, in his essay The Ethical Criticism of Art, stated that assessing the ethical nature of a piece of art is a proper aesthetic activity and a fair way of assigning value. In other words, art should have a morally positive message. While he believes it's not essential that something be ethical to be considered good, it is difficult to overcome a deficit of ethics and gain a positive aesthetic valuation. One interesting example to look at would be the work of Danish filmmaker Lars von Trier. He's known for his provocative and often ethically questionable films, but despite this lack of positive ethics, his films are institutionally accepted, taught in film schools, and awarded. Although von Trier's work is not primarily comedic, there can be similar ethical issues that arise with jokes. Humor theorist and author Moira Marsh has even said about humor that all jokes are bad if they are any good. Gout likely would have trouble accepting jokes as a form of art because they thrive in a place of ethical dubiousness. Other philosophers maintain that humor itself is based on the superiority theory, which is fundamentally problematic since it requires that any joke have a but or something to look down upon. Philosopher John Muriel, who has written extensively on humor, explains furthermore why it can be seen as problematic, stating, With all the ways in which laughter and humor involved loss of self-control and the breaking of social rules, it's not surprising that most societies have been suspicious of them and have often rejected them. This rejection is clear in the two great sources of Western culture, Greek philosophy and the Bible. It's clear that comedic art is often at risk of being devalued by these standards, because it lives in an ethical gray area. And much humor, like satire, intentionally leans into this indeterminacy. Rap certainly thrives in this largely linguistic area. While this flexibility of meaning is what makes humor incredibly rich and rewarding, it also means that there is a danger of misinterpretation. While it would be safer to avoid polysemy, it would potentially lead to much less interesting art. This artistic desire for works that are ethically good could be tied to the cultural concept of Oscar bait films. These are movies that fit a certain set of characteristics, which are easily endorsable. For example, most Oscar Best Picture winners are dramas, often social problem films touching on topics of class, race, or war. While these films are easily identifiable as being ethically good, this doesn't mean that they are artistically successful. Green Book is one recent example of this, as it's centered around typical Oscar bait tropes, but was criticized by reviewers for being too simplistic and saccharine, yet it's still one best picture. Comedies, since they are often seen as unethical, or at the very least, concerned with unimportant or frivolous subject matter, are largely excluded from the Oscar bait category, with the possible exception of some satire, like Parasite, or highbrow, smart comedies like the films of Woody Allen. Although Parasite could be seen as Oscar bait as well, because its underlying themes deal with class inequality. Do you foresee any issues in working for a black man? You and the Deep South? There's gonna be problems. Promise me you're gonna write me a letter. No problems. Tell me that don't smell good. I've never had fried chicken in my life. You people love the fried chicken. You have a very narrow assessment of me, Tony. Yeah, right? I'm good. There's not necessarily a direct musical equivalency to this, but looking at award shows like the Grammys, canon-building attempts like Rolling Stone's Best Artists and Albums lists, or inductees to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame will demonstrate similar results that exclude most comedic artists from the top spots, eschewing seemingly flippant bands in order to highlight those who deal with serious and worthy topics. Fitting into what could be considered as Oscar bait or its musical equivalent is not specifically a bad thing artistically. 
there are great works of art that fit into this category, like Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. But there are also countless others that attempt to follow this formula at the expense of actually making an interesting product. One example is Logic's song, 1-800-273-8255, which deals with the topic of suicide prevention. While the song itself is not terribly well-crafted or compelling, the fact that it is ethically positive works in its favor. I again want to clarify that the term Oscar bait tends to be used pejoratively but doesn't have to be. Returning to this episode's artist, Childish Gambino, there is certainly a parallel to be made. Glover's 2018 song, This Is America, was hugely successful, winning four Grammy Awards, Song of the Year, Record of the Year, Best Rap Sung Performance, and Best Music Video. Its strong social justice and political message was widely and understandably celebrated. But the question I want to pose about it is this. Is this song so much better musically than his previous work that he was able to go from getting 2 out of 10 ratings to 4 Grammy wins? To discuss this further, we'll look back at philosopher Barris Gout, who stated, Manifesting ethically admirable attitudes counts towards the aesthetic merit of a work, and manifesting ethically reprehensible attitudes counts against its aesthetic merit. This is America vis-a-vis Glover's older, less ethical work is likely to be assessed as more artistically significant by this theory. Whereas Sweatpants, a single from Because the Internet, is not necessarily so safe in this regard. However, I would argue in favor of Sweatpants as a song of at least equivalent quality. It features unique production, clear and vivid lyrical storytelling, a bevy of one-liners, referential humor, puns, and an effective range of emotions and dynamics peeking at the lyrics, and I don't give a fuck about my family name. On the other hand, This Is America, while containing some interesting production and sampling, has a fairly generic trap-type beat and vocals. Lyrically, it avoids many of the comedic techniques we saw in his earlier work, like one-liners and meta-referential humor. Although it does feature some puns and a humorously ironic juxtaposition of moods. Importantly, the humor that is present also is in service of the political content of the song. However, I do not find that the message of the song is lyrically clear and impactful without the benefit of the visuals from the music video. It is telling that any analysis of the song's meaning that I could find makes explicit reference to the video. There's another conversation that can be had about whether a song should be able to stand apart from its corresponding visual media, but that's for another day. This is not to downplay the cultural significance and impact of This Is America, but to highlight the effect that ethical aestheticism has on valuation, even potentially outweighing the creative content of the song. This Is America can certainly be understood within the framework of the Oscar bait film, as its topic of social justice is an important and moral one. It's easily identifiable as ethical and therefore good art. I want to reiterate that I am not arguing that it shouldn't be recognized as such, just that a song of similar musical quality but lacking in an obviously ethical message, such as sweatpants, is more easily dismissed as frivolous or unworthy of critical approval. Of course, all of these determinations of musical quality are entirely subjective. 
whereas ethics are more culturally fixed. Interestingly, while Glover was accused of making a meme album earlier in his career with Because the Internet, the release of This Is America led to a deluge of actual memes and GIFs on social media referencing the video. Comedy, such as satire or parody, requires a willful party to decode and find value in what is potentially an area of moral ambiguity. At best, humor is indeterminate, and at worst, it's downright mean if you buy into the superiority theory. At any rate, it's clear that the values that tend to be associated with good aesthetic objects are not the same that apply to good comedy. Furthermore, there is a misunderstanding that serious and funny are opposites of one another. The English writer and philosopher G.K. Chesterton once remarked that funny is not the opposite of serious, it's only the opposite of unfunny. It's been over 100 years since he wrote these words, yet many have not learned this lesson. In recent years, we have seen Childish Gambino strategically realign himself further to the unfunny side on the spectrum of musical humor. This was accomplished through songs like This Is America, with its more ethical social message, and a pivot to genres less associated with humor, like R&B and soul, for example, Redbone and Me and Your Mama. It's hard to know whether this move was a natural artistic progression or, in fact, motivated by early negative reviews of his work. But I think it is likely that the implicit bias against comedic music played some part. Glover has made similar artistic choices in his television work through his show Atlanta by infusing more serious drama alongside any humorous elements. Glover has even contrasted his own show to Little Dicky's Dave, which share certain formal similarities but have very different tones. Dave being a more straightforward, broad comedy, like Glover's earlier work on Community, and Atlanta, which uses more cerebral and surreal forms of humor. Glover, in a series of now-deleted tweets, balked at the idea that viewers would even find the two shows similar. This reaction, to me, reads as one of self-conscious preservation, whereas Little Dicky seems to be perfectly happy being seen as a joke rapper and lowbrow comedic actor, Glover has worked hard to distance himself from these labels. While early on in his career, Donald Glover flexed his comedic muscles on TV and in his albums, he has since shifted his creative strategies to more important topics. His song This Is America can be viewed as a musical Oscar bait equivalency, and furthermore the turning point in his career towards less funny and more safely endorsable ethical art. Ironically, he could likely go back to making funnier music again now, since he has gained a level of critical acceptance and proven himself worthy. Whether or not he chooses to do so is yet to be seen. The Seriously Funny Music Podcast was written and produced by Scott Greenberg and is an adaptation of his master's thesis, The Apparent Bias Against Comedic Popular Music. Follow Scott on all social media and streaming platforms at Scott Making Sense. That's sense like money.